That's right, the Chiefs win nine straight games and clinch a playoff spot. A nice late Christmas gift for Chiefs fans. Once again, the Chiefs put fans on the edge of their seats, but find a way to pull through in the end and pull away with a victory. Uh, look, it was an ugly win. No one's hiding from that. But if you talk to any front office staff member, a coach, or player in the NFL, they will all tell you that wins don't come easy in the National Football League, regardless of the opponent and their record. Either way, the Chiefs get a victory and a playoff spot. I'll take that as a light Christmas gift, and I know all of you Chiefs fans will as well. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Farzine Vasugian. Got a nice show lined up for you. Uh, of course, the big recap. We'll also look at the playoff picture, and now we can discuss that even more since the Chiefs have clinched a playoff spot. And also, talk a little bit about Peyton Manning for just a moment, because that is making the rounds in the NFL. Everyone's talking about it. But before we get into that, be sure you do subscribe on iTunes, like my Facebook page, search for Farzine Vesugian, and give me a follow on Twitter, at Farzine21. As I mentioned, the Chiefs clinched a playoff spot. Oh, man, that feels really good to say. Chiefs clinch a playoff spot uh, after a win and a Baltimore Ravens victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Chiefs could have used even more help if the Patriots defeated the Jets. The Patriots would have also clinched a number one seed. It would have clinched home field advantage in the AFC, but that did not happen. Either way, the Ravens got the victory to help the, the Chiefs, so the Chiefs still got their playoffs, but it would not have determined Kansas City's stance in the, in the standings quite exactly. But for now, the Chiefs do have, uh, at the very least, uh, a wild card spot, a five seed, uh, maybe a six seed. It kind of just depends on what happens in the in the final week of the NFL season. But the Chiefs are in, and that's uh, priority number one. No question about it. Fun fact, by the way, with the Chiefs clinching a playoff spot, the Chiefs and the Royals made the playoffs within the same year for the first time ever. And it's great to see the sports scene in Kansas City change so much since 2013. You had Andy Reid and Alex Smith come to Kansas City. The Chiefs turned from a two-win football team to a 9-0 team. Uh, the Royals clinched the playoffs for the first time in 29 years in 2014. They win that crazy wildcard game, probably the craziest baseball game you will ever see. And the Royals went 8-0 in that postseason against American League teams going into the World Series with that hot run right there. A season later, this past year, the Royals became division winners and World Series champions for the first time in 30 years. Now the Chiefs clinch a playoff spot, and Andy Reid is the first head coach in franchise history to guide the Chiefs to multiple double-digit wins since Marty Schottenheimer did it. Uh, and listen, uh, the, the Chiefs have had some success here and there within not all of the Five previous head coaches, but some of them, uh, Gunther Cunningham, Dick Vermeil, Herm Edwards, Todd Haley, and Romeo Cornell. Uh, of course, you've got uh, playoff appearances under Vermeil, Herm, and Haley. But all of those guys guided the Chiefs to just one playoff appearance. Andy Reid will have at least two under his belt within his first three years as the head coach of the Chiefs. Now, I will say this about Dick Vermeil. You had that unfortunate ending in 2005 uh, when he retired. Uh, the Chiefs won 10 games, but 
The the Steelers won the tiebreaker against the Chiefs, so the Steelers ended up going to the postseason, and Kansas City did not. So, I, you know, it is kind of hard. If Dick Vermeule was given three more years, I'm sure he would have taken Kansas City to more playoff games. Look at the following season when Herm Edwards uh, coached the Chiefs to a playoff appearance. Uh, the Chiefs won nine games that season. So you never know sometimes. And the thing about Andy Reid, and I said this last week with the fact that he has now coached more games than Todd Haley, he, he now has two playoff games under his belt at the very least. Hopefully more than that, because we all we all know that playoff drought, it's in the back of our heads. We all want that to continue. But at the very least, if the Chiefs don't make it through the wild card, or yeah, I'm sorry, the wild card round, if they don't make it to the divisional round, at least Andy Reid will have coached two postseason games with the Chiefs. Something the previous five head coaches didn't do. We haven't had a head coach... Take us to multiple playoff games since Marty Schottenheimer. Again, the same coach that I read with the previous stat statistic being the first head coach to guide the Chiefs to multiple double-digit wins. Double-digit wins in a season, I should say. Now look, I know that was a bad football game. Especially in the second half for the Chiefs. But just talking about the Royals and the success comparing them with, with the Chiefs and how they've also turned around lately... Look, the Royals had some crazy postseason wins that drove us all to nearly having a heart attack in those extra innings matches. If we were to look at Kansas City during the MLB postseason in 2014 and 2015 and rewatch only those postseason games in which the Royals had crazy endings and extra innings, we could all point out certain flaws that happened in the first seven or eight innings For the Royals. And what they could have done to prevent going into extra innings. The same thing could be done for the Chiefs for some of their games during this nine game winning streak. And and, and quite honestly, the same thing could be done for any team in any sport. When they have games that come down to the wire like that. Similar to what the Chiefs had just this past Sunday. When you have a close game, fans of the winning team can go on and on about what they could have done to prevent to prevent it from being a close game or not allowing overtime, whatever the case may be. Meanwhile, fans of the losing team, they could spend an entire day picking out every single mistake and how maybe one or two of those mishaps, had they been erased, their team could have won, and, and those one or two mishaps were pretty much the deciding factors in the loss. My point is, no sports team will have a perfect performance, even when they win. And I think as, as fans, because of this winning streak that the Chiefs have, and as of now, the Chiefs own the biggest active winning streak in the NFL because the Panthers fell to Atlanta, of all teams, Atlanta. We we as Chiefs fans feel the need to see everything go perfect now. And don't get me wrong, Andy Reid and the rest of the coaching staff and the players, they must make adjustments after this game, no question about it. Uh, Because this won't really pass in the playoffs. But there is time to alter. And don't forget to add some optimism in this situation. As we see the Chiefs kind of, again, they are winning some games ugly. No question about it. But don't forget, in Week 16 of the 2013 season, the Indianapolis Colts came to Arrowhead Stadium and defeated the Chiefs 23-7. And 13 days later, the Chiefs go to Indianapolis for the wild card game. Same opponent, 
their house, and we see a completely different Chiefs team. The Chiefs had a 38-10 to lead at one point in the game. They finished with 44 points. Now, we'll avoid the details and, and how that game ended. But, but still, again, the Chiefs were accused of fluking by the 2013 season because of the easy schedule. All of a sudden in the playoffs, we see Kansas City flip the switch and they're a completely different team offensively and defensively too because they allowed a, a big chunk of points that we don't want to get into. But still, you guys get the idea. By the time the playoffs start, everyone's 0-0. Doesn't matter what your record was in the regular season or what your winning streak was. Sure, maybe the team that's on a hot run, maybe those teams just have the edge of it because they've been doing so well late. They got hot at the right time, and that's why it feels so good to be a Chiefs fan right now. But overall, you never know. Like I said with 2013, you see the Chiefs, same opponent in the Colts in Week 16, get blown out 23-7. to Less than two weeks later, the Chiefs go out there and put up 44 at their territory, too. So what you see right now in this Chiefs team might be different than what you'll see in less than two weeks when the Chiefs do play in the playoffs. And I've got to say, I don't get tired of saying that. That feels pretty good to say. I'll probably say it ten more times throughout the podcast. And I don't think anyone's going to have a problem with that. Here's what I will say also, and I don't mean to be brash about this, but I I think part of the reason that Chiefs fans also tend to panic when they see games like this, when they see an ugly performance like this that still leads to a victory, I think it has to do with the fact that we kind of forgot for a while what it was like to win. And let's not forget that six-year run we had of just so much losing, that wasn't too long ago. From 2007 through 2012, the Chiefs were 29 and 67. 29 and 68 if you want to include that postseason loss to Baltimore in 2011, the 2010 season, essentially. During the 9-0 during the start in 2003, when Dante Hall had that crazy kick return for a touchdown against the Broncos to win that game, the Chiefs had some flaws in that game. Keep in mind, they won that game by just one point. The following week, the following game, they had to rally and come back against the Packers and won in overtime. Plenty of flaws in that game, too. Let's not forget the turnover exchange late in the game before that touchdown pass from Trent Green to Eddie Kennison to, to win it. So many flaws in that game, too. And so many times, we, we could have looked at the game and said, all right, the Packers might win this one instead. Same thing with the Broncos the previous week, that year. So my point is, even the best teams make some mistakes. Look at the Patriots who just fell to the Jets. They lost to a Brock Osweiler-led team who everyone was on the Brock Osweiler bandwagon, and now people don't know what to think of Brock Osweiler as the leader for the Broncos going into the playoffs. If they make it, keep in mind, the Chiefs have a playoff spot and the Broncos don't. So you don't know exactly what's going to happen yet. But that year, the 2003 season, the Chiefs won, and and us fans were just enjoying it. And I know there was no social media at the time, so I think that that might play a part into fans panicking and whatnot. But listen, at the time in in 2003, Chiefs fans didn't really deal with a long stretch of losing since the 1980s. So when the Chiefs struggled from 2007 through 2012, it had been more than 20 years since some fans witnessed a losing season in 
five years, or, or five times, I should say, through six years. For younger fans like myself, that six years from 07 to 2012, it was the first time people around my age had, had seen the franchise play so poorly through a, through a long stretch, too. Again, six years. I still remember the panic attack from Royals fans during the, this 2015 regular season. The Royals would lose two or three games in a row and have a really bad week. And fans thought the 2014 was a one-time wonder and thought the playoffs would never happen again. But quite honestly, maybe as baseball fans, we forgot what it was like to see success like this because the Royals didn't have that for 30 years Sure, 2003, they had some highlights there, but that, that of course, went away. 2014, the, the Royals had to sneak into the playoffs. So it's not like they were doing so great and dominating the entire season like they did in 2015. In 2015, though, the Royals still finished with the best record in the AL, making fans look crazy for panicking at times. Again, my point is with the Chiefs and the Royals having success right now, I think because the Chiefs and Royals did bad for so many years, as fans, we we forgot what it was like to see success like this. Don't you think when you see the Patriots have all these, all the success, winning divisions, making the playoffs, it didn't come easy. There was still a, a, a tough road ahead for the Patriots. Look at the Colts and all the years that they've made the playoffs with Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. It still wasn't easy for, for, for them. There were still some tough years even in, in the years that they won the division. Look at the, I think a great example would be to look at the Chiefs from 07 to 2012. Look at some of the really good teams that the Chiefs barely lost to in games that came down to the wire. We, of course, finished... The, the narrative in Kansas City was the Chiefs had a chance to beat a great football team and they didn't. The narrative for opposing fans was, hey, ugly w- ugly win, but we'll take that I- instead of losing. And we'll add on to the win column. Listen, in sports, you have the win column and then the loss columns. And in some sports, there's a column for tied games. And the NFL has that also. But I'll just focus on wins and losses for now. You have just wins and losses. There's no column for ugly wins or ugly losses. Your strength of schedule or, or, or strength of victory, it doesn't get deetered by ugly wins or ugly losses. You just win games or you lose them. That's all. So the Chiefs are winning football games. Regardless if they're pretty wins or ugly wins, there's no column or statistic for that. A win is a win. And listen, I know I've brought up so many pessimistic Chiefs fans and I've I've, I've brought them up I, I I've I've issued those I, I, I've made statements about that just kind of addressing those fans and I promise you I'm not going to do that anymore uh, because first of all the Chiefs are in the playoffs second of all I just think it's it it's dumb it really is the Chiefs like any other team will have their bad stretch like in life you're not going to have a perfect day Every single day. You're going to have some some bad days, but you still get through them. One way or another. You wake up the next day, sun comes up, you move on with your life. Same thing in football. The Chiefs, yeah, sure, they had a bad game, but guess what? They got to win. The sun's going to come up tomorrow. They're going to practice, go back to work. 
make some adjustments and, and try to get back at it for the Oakland Raiders, which is a pretty big game. Uh, also depends on what happens on Monday Night Football. For some of you listening, that might be tonight. Uh, if you're listening on a Tuesday, Monday Night Football will have already happened, but hopefully you will have heard this before Monday night. So either way, Chiefs fans are still panicking during this nine-game winning streak. And I get it. I, I also think fans don't want to lose what this Chiefs team has. The Chiefs have something special in them. And they're going to be playing football for a couple of weeks in January. Of course, you've got the regular season uh, in Week 17 that everyone will play. But then beyond that, the Chiefs will have a playoff game in January. And Chiefs fans don't want, don't want it to end so soon. I get it. Either way, the Chiefs did win, but before I get into that victory, I do want to touch on this Peyton Manning story. I will watch the Al Jazeera documentary, uh, and I'm recording this podcast Sunday afternoon, so by the time this is out, the Al Jazeera documentary will have already aired, and I'll be able to give my full thoughts on the next podcast once I see it. Uh, But if you've been under a rock the past 36 hours, perhaps... Enjoying the post-Christmas festivities, kind of like the post-party, the aftermath, whatever. Uh, There was a report from Al Jazeera that Peyton Manning had received shipments of human growth hormone in 2011 when he was recovering from a series of neck neck surgeries. Now, Manning quickly came out denying these reports uh, twice. Did it once in a statement late uh, on a Saturday Saturday night. And then in an exclusive TV interview with ESPN, he had called the story complete fabrication and also said it was defamation. He admitted he was furious and disgusted. Um, It is worth noting, the HGH was sent to Manning under Manning's wife's name, Ashley Manning. So uh, it was prescribed to her. It was sent to her. She would receive it because it was under her name. And then it's being alleged that Peyton Manning had took the HGH. Now, Peyton Manning did hire a PR guru and former White House press secretary, Ari Fleischer, I believe that's how you say his name. Now, Fleischer currently works as a media consultant for the NFL and also the Bull Championship Series. He was hired briefly by Tiger Woods to help him find a way to make his entrance back on the PGA Tour. He was also hired by the Packers as a consultant. I believe that was in 2012. I could be mistaken, uh, but but it was out for one season. Now he can add uh, Peyton Manning on his resume. Uh, Fleischer was also involved in the play affair. Uh, but uh, Charlie Sly, who uh, is, is the source, uh, the pharmacist, who linked Peyton Manning to HGH, told ESPN that he lied about issuing HGH to Manning's wife, Ashley, to give to Peyton. So there's some recanting going on right now with, with this story. Uh, but by the way, HGH, I need to add, the NFL and the Players Union added HGH testing to the CBA uh, signed in 2011, the collective bargaining agreement that year. Um, but the NFL did not start testing for HGH until 2014. You can agree to it, but if the NFL doesn't tra- take charge of it, that's on their own. So the NFL for a couple of seasons did not start testing. Uh, they started testing in 2014. And I was watching the NFL today on CBS, and they brought this up. And I feel like the media has done its part in this story, letting people know that this is a big deal. It's a big story. However, the NFL has been really silent about this. 
When it was reported that Tom Brady and the Patriots, ball boy, deflated footballs, the NFL was all over New England. If Tom Brady or whoever from the Patriots did it, yes, there should be punishment. I mean, it's you've got to you've got to do something about it. But there is no evidence, and the NFL spent so much of its time and resources over something that had that that little information was provided. Brady got a four-game suspension. Even though it was lifted, he was still issued a four-game suspension for probably deflating a ball. The same amount of games Greg Hardy got for violence against a woman. And Odell Beckham Jr. received just a one-game suspension for all those personal fouls and trying to rip Josh Norman's head off, which he nearly succeeded in. So my question is, what is with the NFL and what are their priorities? Because they haven't said anything about Peyton Manning. And I know Peyton Manning, he's he's kind of like the golden boy. He gets all these commercials. You know, Papa John's, you know, part owner in that. He, uh, he has the Papa John's commercials. He has the uh, nationwide commercials. So many advertisements, car advertisements also he's a part of. And he's always been the good guy. Never been in trouble off the field. We have had tons of officiating gaffes. In the NFL this season that need to be fixed. And yes, the NFL did make an adjustment for the postseason so officials can interact with league officials uh, from New York during the playoffs in certain situations. But they barely spoke publicly about this. Yet they were so active, heavily active, publicly with the media during the whole Brady football, the flight game, whatever you want to call it. Now again... They should still have investigated this incident, but you could tell the NFL was driven and wanted to make sure Brady was suspended. And they haven't had this derogative with any other person or or anything that the league has had to deal with or had to investigate. I guarantee you, if it was Tom Brady linked to HGH and not Peyton Manning, oh boy, we all know the NFL would have begun investigating the night this information was released. And I have to say, I'm really sorry. Peyton Manning's not the only person whose name is linked to this. Uh, There's also Mike Tyson, uh, another notable name, a few other uh, professional athletes. But I'm just shocked the NFL, uh, this is how they go about trying to investigate that. With the whole Tom Brady thing. And they're so silent when it comes to Peyton Manning. Nonetheless, I'll watch a documentary. You guys know me. For those of you who have listened to me for a long time or have read my work, I don't like to comment on things that I have little information on other than what I provided you. Uh, I will say Peyton Manning probably hates the media more than ever. Uh, Last week there was that report that he uh, was serious about not being a backup and would be very unhappy or disgruntled, and now he has this to deal with this week. Uh, Listen, there are some distractions going on now with the Denver Broncos with Peyton Manning and... Of all people, for the Broncos, Peyton Manning, uh, he's just linked to distractions. And it's not his fault. It's just these reports are coming out, and look, you never know. That can affect the team from, from time to time. We, we, we've heard we've heard this in the past. So you never know if this affects a team's performance on the field, especially with what they have coming up, facing a, a good Bengals team on Monday Night Football and 
you never know with divisional games sometimes. They are going to play the Chargers, and that's a pretty big game too. Divisional games, you should never count those out, regardless of the record. Either way, the Broncos, a lot of drama going on, especially with Peyton Manning, and you don't know if that can ever cause a distraction in the locker room or on the field. You never know with these teams sometimes. Speaking of the Broncos, who are also in the playoff picture, let's look at the playoff picture one moment before we touch on the Chiefs and the Browns. Uh, Right now, a crazy situation with the Panthers losing their first game of the season and the Patriots also dropping a game against the Jets this past week. Both the Patriots and the Panthers could have clinched home field advantage in Week 16, but did not. Also, one other crazy note, uh, all NFL teams... Uh, that we see right now in the playoff picture. I'm not going to read all the teams that are listed right here. You guys can definitely look that up. And I'm sure most of you guys know anyway. But uh, I was listening on ESPN Radio, and they mentioned that uh, there was a chance that all 12 teams could have been decided for the playoffs this week, which which would have been the first time in NFL history that would uh, the 12 teams would have been decided uh, by the end of Week 16, which would have been crazy. It would have been interesting, too. Uh, kind of similar to the previous week when Andy Reid did bench, uh, or pardon me, the, uh, a couple of seasons ago when Andy Reid benched his starters, but that doesn't seem like it's going to be the case because even if Denver loses on Monday night, Kansas City will still need its starters to remain uh, on top of the division. Yes, the Broncos right now 10-4, and four, the Chiefs 10-5, and five, the Chiefs have a playoff spot and the Broncos don't. Uh, and that has to do with the fact that the Broncos play on a Monday night. But still, the Chiefs had to come back from a 1-5 record and do it, which is impressive to me. Uh, but as of right now, the Patriots, Bengals, and the Chiefs are the only teams in the AFC that are guaranteed, that have a guaranteed playoff spot. Uh, the Jets right now are a wild card team. The wild card is the best-case scenario for the Jets right now, either a 5 or a 6 seed. The Texans, we know the only way they can win uh, and, and or get into the playoffs is by winning the division. Uh, a wild card team is out of the picture, but because of divisional rules, there has to be at least one uh, division representative. And the Texans right now sit on top with an eight and seven record. Now the Steelers are nine and six, and after losing to Baltimore, they fall behind in the wild card race. The Colts are also in the hunt, but they are in the divisional hunt, not the wild card hunt. So uh, that game might get flexed. Uh, or if the Texans and the Colts are playing on Sunday night, and they're not, so I take that back. Uh, so yeah, still, I, I don't know what the final game will be on NBC, and it's kind of hard to d- determine. Uh, it might be a, a matchup on the NFC side. Uh, you never know. Uh, I mean, Packers-Vikings, of course, that's an a- NFC North rivalry. The, uh, the NFL might be inclined to make that the primetime game of the week to conclude the season, but you never know. But I don't think the Chiefs are going to be uh, flexing to Sunday night uh, for Week 17. Nonetheless, Patriots do have the number one seed for now. This is where things get interesting. The Bengals, that game on Monday night, if the Bengals win, not only do the Bengals get the number one seed for for a short period of time, unless they win the following week. But the Bengals will also play a big hand in the AFC South and the AFC West. If the Bengals defeat the Broncos, the Chiefs will take the lead in the AFC West in a 
two-way tie with the Broncos, but the Chiefs would be declared as division winners if the season were to end in, after Week 16. Now, if the Bengals win, the Texans also can benefit from that by winning the AFC South completely. So, and it sounds kind of weird. Why would a team from the AFC North help a team from the AFC South when they're playing a team from the AFC West? The reason is it has to do with strength of schedule, the fifth tiebreaker. So if the Texans, or pardon me, if the Bengals defeat the Broncos, the Texans win the AFC South and the Colts are done, which is a good thing for Chiefs fans because we all know which team has given the Chiefs a lot of hell in the postseason. But nonetheless, the Bengals, of course, need to win so they can get the number one seed. And then, of course, uh, the Bengals winning benefits the Chiefs and the Texans. So very interesting scenario. Now, the Steelers, regardless, still remain alive in, uh, in the wildcard race. So if the Bengals do win, the Broncos do become vulnerable and they, be- they suddenly become a wildcard team. And there's still a chance that the Broncos might get kicked out of this p- picture and will be the odd team out. So in a, there's a possibility in a world where the Chiefs, Jets, and Steelers were all vying for the wildcard spot, there's a chance all three of them could make it. I doubt it, though. And, I, and I'll be honest, I do think Denver does win on Monday night. Now, if the Broncos do win on Monday night, the Chiefs still have a chance to win the AFC West. That would require help from the San Diego Chargers in Week 17, and the Chiefs would st- still have to take care of business against the Raiders in Week 17. So... Bottom line, for those, if you want to know just for the Chiefs, I know I mentioned the Texans and the Bengals, but if you want to know just for the Chiefs' sake, what needs to happen, a loss has to happen on Monday night. All right, I take that, it doesn't have to happen, but if it does, the Chiefs do take first place. Now, if the Broncos lose on Monday, and if the Chiefs win the following week, or if the Broncos lose again the following week, then the Chiefs win the AFC West. If the Broncos do win on Monday night, then in week 17, the Chargers absolutely have to win. The Chiefs will need help from the Chargers against the Broncos, and the Chiefs absolutely have to defeat the Raiders. So there are your AFC West scenarios. Pretty simple. And for those wondering why the Chiefs have the edge over the Broncos, it's it's because of the, divi- the division record. Now, if the Chiefs do lose, or, or did had they lost to the Browns, uh, there would have been no shot, and the Broncos would have been able to win, unless the Broncos also lost on Monday night, which you never know. But overall, a Chiefs loss, you don't want to see that happen in Week 17, especially if the Broncos do win, because first of all, it's the Raiders, and then of course, uh, you, want to, well, you want to make things easy for yourself. So the division, if the Chiefs win, they will uh, they will have a 5-1-1 record in the AFC West, which is going to be better than Denver, who currently has a 3-2 and two record in the AFC West. And obviously, Kansas City has the edge uh, right now with a 4-1 and one record. But even if the Broncos defeat the Chargers, they will have a better record. So that's why losing on Monday night would be more crucial. If I had to pick who, who I could rely on more, the Bengals or the Chargers... I want to say the Chargers, but Phillip Rivers in that offense, I don't know, as great as he is, I don't know if I trust Rivers against Denver's defense, whereas Brock Osweiler and the Cincinnati defense, I I, I like my odds there. 
So, and look, yes, A.J. McCarron's playing. There's a backup quarterback there, but there's also a backup quarterback in Denver. So there's there's more of an even playing field in that one. And again, I know what I just said kind of sounds weird because San Diego has their starting quarterback, but the Chargers have just been really terrible this season. So if I like my odds for one of these games, I, I, I'd have to pick the Broncos losing to the Bengals. But again, I, I think the Broncos do win out to finish the season along with the Chiefs as well. Now, I, I do need to say, the Chiefs, of course, are winners of nine straight. That ties a franchise high for most consecutive wins. That, of course, ties the 2003 record when the Chiefs started 9-0 that season and the 2013 9-0 start. And Andy Reid is part of two nine-game winning streaks with the Chiefs, which is great. And I think that goes to show you how great Andy Reid has been for the franchise, kind of similar to what I was touching on last week with Andy Reid. But overall, with what you're seeing right now, if the Chiefs do win next week, not only do they go 5-1 and one in the division, which would be the first time since 2003, but also the Chiefs will win 10 straight. That has never happened in franchise history. The Chiefs have never won 10 straight games in franchise history. So that'd be a nice way to conclude the regular season and hopefully carry that over to the playoffs. Now, in order to to do that, some adjustments need to be made. As we saw, it's a necessity after what happened in the Chiefs and Browns game. Good start to that game. Uh, Chiefs kicked things off with that 11-play drive, uh, went for 65 yards, took nearly half of the first quarter uh, to do so, which is always good. Jeremy Macklin continues his successful on-field chemistry with Alex Smith. He got his 1,000 yards on that touchdown catch to open up the game. So a fancy way to earn the 1K and uh, definitely a great season for Jeremy Macklin. A slim chance Travis Kelsey also gets 1,000 yards. But uh, And I, I did say before the season, I, I thought Travis Kelsey would have more receiving yards than Jeremy Macklin. I think this is still a good season for Travis Kelsey. And look, when, with Jamal Charles out, I, I thought we were going to see more of Kelsey. Kelsey's been really good this season, and he's got a Pro Bowl bid for a reason. Granted, I think Gary Barnridge, the tight end from the other side of the field in this game, I think he, he definitely deserves it more, uh, just by a little bit, not too much. Uh, but either way, the thing with Kelsey is there's, there, there just needs to be consistency, and we haven't had that from Kelsey this season. Now, in this game, the Chiefs, uh, following that touchdown, the Chiefs' front seven comes through big to start off the game defensively, forcing a three and out. Kansas City gets a 40-yard field goal from Cairo Santos, who made his 30th field goal of the season. Uh, But the Chiefs started to slip a bit. Alex Smith threw an interception. However, two plays later, Marcus Peters, he got his eighth pick of his young rookie career. Right now, ties Reggie Nelson of the Bengals for most picks, and he leads the NFL in interception yards return with 280. In fact, Peters is already climbing a bit uh, in the record books. He is currently ninth for most interception yards in a single season. He needs 97 yards to hold the single season record. He did have a 90-yard touchdown uh, return for, uh, on that interception uh, last week against Baltimore. So, if... There's a situation where he gets a pick in the end zone and runs it for 
97, 98, 99 yards or all the way for a touchdown. There's an opportunity that he could pass Darren Sharper, who did it in 2009 with the Saints, amassing 376 yards off interceptions that year. And that's the same year the Saints went on to win the Super Bowl. And by the way, Emmett Thomas holds the franchise record for most interceptions in a single season with 12, doing so in 1974. I doubt Marcus Peters could get to that, but hey, crazier things have happened, so I'll give it a slim chance, but not too much, Uh, but either way, Emmitt Thomas, one of the best cornerbacks of all time, and is now the defensive backs coach with Kansas City, so it's kind of cool to see, uh, you know, one of the best players from that Super Bowl team being part of this team as as a coach and guiding uh, a team that could possibly get to that championship, bring the other championship to Arrowhead, bring it back to Kansas City. But either way, uh, it is cool to see Emma Thomas show these guys, guys like Eric Berry, guys like Marcus Peters, and Brandon Flowers for a while before he left. Uh, It's pretty cool to see him teach those guys his technique. Emma Thomas is a huge reason why guys like Brandon Flowers improved before he left for San Diego. He's the reason Eric Berry and Marcus Peters both play at such a high level. And they both played at high levels as rookies. And they both made the Pro Bowl their rookie seasons. And they will both play in the Pro Bowl this season. Unless good things happen and the Chiefs get pretty far in the playoffs. Unfortunately, though, no points off the interception from Peters. But it brought the football back after Smith threw a pick of his own. So after exchanging interceptions, the Rounds and Chiefs exchanged punts. But the Chiefs got a touchdown right before halftime. The Browns, with just a couple seconds left uh, to end the second quarter, try for a long field goal. And Daniel Sorensen, it was a 51-yarder, he gets a hand uh, on the football to block it. And that might have been the biggest difference maker. I'll come back to this in just a moment. But in the second half, Isaiah Crowell, the running back for the Browns, who I mentioned, he's kind of had a, a step back this season compared to last year. He really showed himself in this game. Uh, Got that 10-yard touchdown run. He rushed 16 times for 88 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Things got pretty interesting at that point because the Chiefs could not score. And the Browns possessed the ball three times after that touchdown play. They possessed it three more times. And they could have tied or taken the lead with either of those three possessions. They did score with the first of those three possessions. But it was a field goal, not a touchdown, and the Browns never led nor tied. And again, I mentioned it was a field goal uh, in the first of those three possessions. A 21-play drive that lasted 12 minutes and one second. The Chiefs were off the field for 27 minutes in real time. And the Chiefs, I mean, they barely possessed the ball in the second half in this game. After that 12-minute one second drive on 21 plays. The Chiefs got the ball for just five plays, punted it back to the Browns. And for eight plays with great field position, the Browns go on an eight play drive, but turn it over on downs. A lot kind of went wrong for the Browns. Uh, Had that illegal touch by a lineman, which was also an intentional grounding on the same play. And the drive that ended Uh, with a turnover on downs. That was when Manziel took a deep shot for the end zone and no one on either side of the ball was close enough to catch it or intercept it. And that was the drive that kind of made me nervous the most, uh, as well as the previous drive when they got that field goal on that 12-minute drive because 
Manziel was just finding a way to escape this Chiefs team. He, he couldn't complete a pass, uh, it felt like. But he was able to outrun this Chiefs team, and I think that is where Justin Houston and Tom Bahali's absence came into play because a lot of Manziel's runs came through the outside. And I think having Holly and Houston, especially Houston, who is really good at stopping the run. Now, I don't know if he'd, he'd, he would have been ready for a guy like Manziel, who is super fast. But either way, I, I feel like having both of them would have limited Johnny Football a little bit more in this game. Now, as I said, uh, he went for that deep pass. No one was home, and the Chiefs get the ball back. The Chiefs do punt again late in the game after a three-play drive on a three and out. So the Browns get the ball back, uh, which the Chiefs were just shut down by that point in the second half. Uh, the Browns drive quickly through 10 plays, but after converting on 4th and 10 uh, on a pass at Jennings, the Browns didn't have enough time to snap and spike the football, and that ended the game right there. Now, I want to go back to that field goal block from Sorensen, because Sorensen is the MVP of this game. Had Travis Coons made his field goal before halftime, rather than having that result in a block, the Browns could have easily kicked a game-winning field goal at the end. Now, if he made that field goal before halftime, he could have, Coons could have also been sent on the possession that ended on downs, and he could have been sent again to add on to the lead. Now, of course, if that did happen, I'm sure we would have seen a, a more aggressive Chiefs offense as well, so you don't know how, how the outcome could have gone, so... The Chiefs don't score in the second half and uh, still come away with a win. This is a really odd statistic, uh, something that I looked up, just an odd fact. The Chiefs have been shut out for three games this season in the second half, yet they still won those games. They were shut out in the second half in the season opener against the Houston Texans, uh, scoring all 27 points in the first half. Against the San Diego Chargers just two weeks ago, the Chiefs got all 10 of their points in the first half, and in this game, the Chiefs got all 17 points in the first half as well. So the Chiefs not coming away with a score of any kind in three games in the second half, yet they still want all of those games. I I, I don't know if that's... I, I, I Really, I don't have an explanation for that. I don't know why that's been the case. Obviously, some luck involved uh, when, when you don't score in the second half and still win close games. All of those games were one-possession games. Like I said with 2013 and playing the Colts in Week 16, the Chiefs looked different in that game against the Colts, scoring just 7 points, which came on the opening drive of the game and then got shut out the rest of the game, only to score 44 points against the Colts, the same team just on the road less than 2 weeks later in a playoff game. So, you never know. Speaking of the playoffs, as I mentioned, the Chiefs, win and the Ravens got a victory over the Steelers that gave the Chiefs a playoff spot so the Chiefs will go to the postseason an opportunity to snap a 21 year and 11 month drought of no postseason victories the Chiefs last playoff victory was January 16th 1994 the Chiefs will play on either January 9th or January 10th in the playoffs in this year's postseason by the time the Chiefs play in one of those dates for a playoff game, it will have been just one week short of 22 years since the Chiefs last won that playoff game against the Houston Oilers in the divisional round. So obviously we want that 
to change, and hopefully that is the case in less than two weeks. We'll find out. More importantly, right now, a win for the Bengals would be huge for the Chiefs. That would give the Chiefs a lead in the AFC West for at least six days. And then, if that does happen, a win against the Raiders or a Broncos loss to the Chargers would seal the deal and give Kansas City a playoff game at Arrowhead Stadium. And these fans absolutely deserve it. So I certainly hope it happens because I know Arrowhead will be rocking on that weekend uh, on the 9th or the 10th if the Chiefs can bring a playoff game to Kansas City. And that would be a nice way to do it, win that game in front of your own home crowd. That'll do it for this edition of the Chiefs Zone. I'm Farzine Vizugi, and thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Please be sure you do subscribe on iTunes. Tell a buddy about it. Tell them to subscribe as well on iTunes. Also like my Facebook page, Farzine Vesugi, and search it. Give it a like, interact with me on there, and also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21 and talk to me on Twitter as well. Be sure to check out the next podcast when we preview the Chiefs and Raiders and also touch on the Broncos and the Chargers. Depending what happens on Monday night, we'll also touch on that matchup for Week 17 and what the Chiefs need to have happen to win the AFC West. Take care. I'll talk to you guys later this week.